Hello everyone and welcome down to episode number 28 of the Down South Photo Show with me, Brendan Waits here in sunny Ocean Grove and my good friend down in Tasmania, Cam Blake. Hello Cam. Good evening, Brendan. You're looking nice and refreshed and bright. Uh, you must have had yes. a holiday. I did. Had a, uh, had a few days away. Uh, when Well, we're recording this on Wednesday. I got back on Monday. Yep. And I left the cool. previous Wednesday. So whatever that works out, five nights away in beautiful, sunny and somewhat um, angry weathered Port Ferry. <laughs> angry? Did you get some did you get some storms down there? Uh, we got storms right across Victoria um, okay. over that week. In fact, my hometown of Ocean Grove, where I'm recording this from, got absolutely slammed with right. um, some pretty full-on thunder and lightning shows. We got a bit at Port Ferry. I got to see uh, a little bit of it. I didn't take many photos of it because I was too relaxed and chilled. Um, But that photo that you can see behind me was the sunset when we were there on night one. I'm just going to move myself out. For those of you who can't see, that is an aerial photo I took with my drone. Uh, yes. Over beautiful Port Ferry, my goodness, what a what a great location! So um, yeah, so diverse, like uh, you know, beautiful uh, surf beach that you can see there, and then yep. you can head up the river, which runs sort of parallel to the surf beach into the wharf area. Yeah, awesome beautiful. reflections. Ah, it's a yeah. sensation. What's the, uh, do you know what the river's called down there? That is the Moyne River. Moyne River. Okay. Yeah. M O Y N E. The Moyne River. Yeah. Cool. Um, sure. And. It flows out to it's a it's a they've made a like a harbor like how can I put this like a breakwater down each side of the river oh, for yeah. a safe harbor to, for boats to get into the um, into the marina there. Oh, yeah, uh, cool. And if you're facing out to sea, you on the right hand side you've got uh, Griffiths Island as well, which is a uh, bit of a bird sanctuary for shearwaters, uh, also okay. known as mutton birds. So did, um, did you um, did you send your drone over there and give them a buzz? Uh, I sent my drone offshore from there. I didn't fly over the island because I don't okay. think you're supposed to. Probably, um, probably not. But we'll, we'll come back to that because I want to talk a bit about okay. that later. Um, yeah, cool. I'm assuming your background is from your massive adventure that you've been on. Yeah, my background for those at home who can't see, uh, this is a, a place called Granite Beach, which was about six days into our eight-day hike. Um, and it's got a, it's a waterfall the river runs off into the into the ocean pretty much got a waterfall actually had a shower behind the waterfall there on the rocks there it was beautiful uh we ended up having a rest day there we got to there and um it was just too nice to leave so we just decided to take a day off and had a shower in the morning had a bit of a swim uh ate a bit of food had a few sleeps uh it was really good but it's a beautiful beach it's sort of a mixture between granite boulders and, and pebbles you can see and and off to the uh, the other side here, down the coast, it's all beautiful surf beach as well. So, um, yeah, it was a, a magical spot, and we were definitely in the need for a rest by day six. Uh, it, it was hot and humid, and no clouds. Uh, it was it was a hard trip this one, so that's for sure. Yeah, well, we're, um, as I say, we're at Port Ferry, and it was quite hot and humid there as well. So, I mean, we're not that far separated from each other. We do get similar weather conditions. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that that looks amazing. The little shower that, that you can mm. see there, so the little natural waterfall. So, yeah, it was um, uh, it was very very cool. I'm just trying to get my head around perspective here. Um, those rocks are they quite big? The ones beside, like under the waterfall, are they boulders or are they? Oh, they're fairly big. Like this is shot on a 21 mil, so obviously it distorts a bit of the foreground. Um, they range they range from probably basketball size to cricket ball size sort of thing. They're a bit of a mixture. Um, the ones under the waterfall were probably you know twice as big as your feet. You know you can sort of you know stand next to them or stand on them, but um, we didn't spend too long under the waterfall. It was a bit brisk, but. Uh, we were covered in mud, sand, sweat, filth. Um, so by the time we got there, it was uh, it was a godsend. Um, I've never I've never lived on the coast. Obviously, you live down the coast, and people in Port Ferry would live on the coast. But you just tend to get a lot of salt air on you and a lot of uh, grit and grime on you as you walk near beaches. So that was a bit of a new experience for me. I'm used to getting leeches and mud and stuff from forests. So yeah, we got to the waterfall, and uh, it was too good to move on. So we um, we stayed there the day. It was it was stunning. Yeah, nice one. And um, when you were at that particular place, did you see many other people? Uh, so for the whole trip, we, we saw a few people. 
Um, so this trip, unlike the overland track where you can generally only go one direction, sort of north to south, uh, this trip allows you to, you can start, you can land on the airstrip like we did and then walk out, or you can walk in from the road and get a plane out. Um, and we sort of had probably about four groups sort of, sort of in our chunk on the way through, so everyone sort of walked a bit together. And then we saw about three or four groups coming the other way. So we crossed paths with a few people. Uh, the day we rocked up here, we actually weren't going to stay at this beach. We we're going to stay at the one before, which was called Surprise Bay. Uh, and that was stunning as well. It had this beautiful little tidal river through it. Um, we were going to stay there, uh, but we decided that we'd push on just to get a few more Ks under our belt, just to make it a bit easier. And when we rocked over here at the campsite, there was people everywhere. So we thought, oh, this is busy. This is busy. But then the next morning, we woke up and they'd all left. So we had the whole place to ourselves for the whole day until around about sort of six o'clock that night when a couple of other groups came through. Um, so yeah, it was, it was people out there. It wasn't super busy, but there was enough to know there was people around. Yeah. And um, I'm assuming at most places along a walk like that, it's uh, designated, like there's this particular area that they give up for the for the camping area. Um, yeah. Th- do you find yourself is. fighting for positions or is it... Um, first depend- come, first serve sort of thing? It's, it's definitely a first come, first serve. Um, and there was there's quite a lot of multiple campsites along the way. So the book, if anyone wants to do the South Coast track, it's this book here. Um, so that'll teach that'll tell you all, all the stops. But in between the main stops, there's also little smaller stops. You can stop if it's busy. You can sort of walk on another few hundred metres and there's another one. So um, we didn't really get anywhere and, and go, oh, shit, we've got no way, nowhere to put our tent up. Um we, there's always plenty of room. The campsites were pretty big. Um, all the major campsites had pit toilets. A um, couple of pit toilets weren't too too pleasant. Um, having maggots on the toilet seat at one stage sort of so, so turns you off going to the toilet pretty quick. Hello to everyone um, having their breakfast listening to this. Yeah, welcome welcome to the breakfast show. Um, yeah, so it was um, yeah, it was good. Like It was well spaced out and the campgrounds, apart from that one toilet, the campgrounds were good. Um, the track was bloody hard. That's the hardest walk I've ever done. Um, and I think I might have messaged you at some stage along the way via the satellite showing where we were. But, um, yeah, we had hard days, hot days, um, lots of hills. Um, I, I've dropped about four or five kilo in the week. Um, I'm trying to put it back on if I can because, you know, I've got to keep my, my figure. Um, yeah, so it was pretty amazing. Amazing walk, really hot. Erin uh, and I, Erin was a trooper. She just smashed it. She um, pretty much climbed all the hills without, without, without issue. Um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I've got um, for people watching, uh, so this will come out on Friday most likely. Um, yes. On the sat, sat day, um, I've actually put a two-part video together of the trip, and the first part goes on YouTube on my Cam Blake Photography YouTube channel. Uh, goes out there on uh, Saturday night, but I'll probably put a link in the down south one as well, just so people can see it. So, yeah, it was great fun, uh, amazing trip, um, but bloody hard, real hard. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be cool. I'll be interested to check out that video myself because um, <clears throat> you were um, saying, excuse me, my voice has gone a bit funny. It's still COVID. got a hangover from COVID, probably, but whatever. We'll push on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so in terms of um, the photography opportunity or the photographic opportunities you got on this walk, yeah, um, how, how did you find that? Were, were you finding that the, the best photo opportunities were where you were camping or were you finding as you were going along and therefore the light wasn't yeah. always great and that sort of, did you find some frustrations I, I, along the I way? Tell you, I tell you what, it was, it was a really hard trip for me personally. I don't know about Erin. Erin like seemed to be shooting a lot, but I actually found it really hard to get shots um and i think that was more to do with the fact that i was just shagged every day yeah um so we you know get up in the morning and you know obviously the sunrise and you know that that blue hour and the uh the you know the beautiful light in the morning that we've been talking about in previous episodes tried to make the most of that the first morning we had a beautiful beach got some really nice shots of seaweed and uh, a little river running into the ocean and some rocks and uh but during the day we, like I said, we had bright, sunny days. I don't think there was anything under 25 degrees. Barely saw a cloud the whole way, yeah. which makes obviously makes obviously landscape photography really contrasty and hard in the middle of the day. But to be honest, it was more the fact that, you know, we'd, we'd be walking up a hill and, you know, you might walk a kilometre and then you just take a rest, have, sit down and take the pack off. And you're just too knackered, too hot and too knackered to get the camera out and actually think of trying to put a composition together. Yeah. So so for me, it was really quite tough. Um 
And I did go down there. I think I mentioned in the last episode that I didn't want to just fire off a thousand shots. I really wanted to take my time, but I, I didn't even get a choice in that. I was just, I was just shagged. I was just so tired after. Yeah, so, so it way, became so. more of a mission to complete the walk rather than yeah, take good photos. Absolutely, yeah. So, so like the the good photo or the the photographic opportunities were like a fringe benefit of doing a great walk. They were, yeah, and. That, that was the thing, and it was really, like, because you're mentally tired, because, uh, you know, some of these bits of the track, like, we walked up, called the Iron, the Ironbound Ranges, they're a 1,000 metres high. We left at 3.30 in the morning to start walking up to try and beat the heat. Wow. So we had head, head torches on just to try and get up there before the heat kicked in, and we got about three-quarters of the way up before the sun came out, so we we're pretty happy with that. And that was fairly easy. It was hard, but fairly easy climbing. But on the other side, on the way down, it was just chaos. It was roots trees climbing under things with packs on swinging off trees it was nuts like there was we didn't even get the camera out on the way down yeah it took us it took us five hours to descend off this mountain um so by the time we got to camp we went for a swim in the beach got back to camp just knackered like it just yeah. just didn't even think about taking photos <laughs> so um so there was like you'll see in the video i put a few of the photos at the end on part two and there's been a few photos on instagram the photo behind me like this is probably one of my favourite photos from the trip, because we'd had a rest day and we literally went down at sunset. We weren't knackered; our feet weren't killing us. Uh, we'd had a rest day, so we went down there and spent a good an hour or two before sunset exploring and got lots of different compositions and stuff like that. So it really did nail it home to me that you know you you got to be switched on. Mind your mind's got to be switched on for photography if you really want to get those nice shots. If if you're really tired and and struggling and you just want to get to bed and get off your feet, it's hard to sort of get motivated to get the camera out and try and create some sort of art. So it was a good, it was a good lesson. I don't, I don't know how I changed that going forward, whether or not you try something different. I don't think I'll do this track again. I think uh, it might be a one-off, tick yep. the bucket list and away we go. Um, for example, on the last day, we covered 23 and a half Ks because we were just ready to get out. Yeah, uh, we, did a, we did a double day. We got a thunderstorm halfway through. Um, so yeah, it was it was tricky. It was a really tricky trip. Yeah. yeah. So you were you were motivated to get out of there. Yeah, we. I think it sounds terrible, and this is not the way to promote walks and stuff like that. And I usually love doing hiking, but because it was just so hot and quite hard, I think by about day four, Aaron and I were like, "No, nah, we're, we're done. Like we we we. I think we want to get off this track um, <laughs> because it, it was it was dangerously hot walking." Yeah. Uh, water was a really hard thing as well. Like okay. there's lots of bracket, bracken water and trying to get water. Like I drank, I was drinking four or five liters of water a day. I was just oozing sweat. It was just so hot. Um, so yeah, by that day four, um, after we did that big climb over the mountain range, Aaron and I were like, okay, how do we get out? <laughs> Let's look at the map. How many days can we get out? How quick can we get out of here? And, um, so it became a bit of a challenge. But then after we had this rest day, it made a huge difference. Yeah. Um, even though the day after this is the day we walked out from this spot, um, we were definitely recovered a bit more and started to reflect on what we'd already done and what we what we sort of conquered. And having a look back now and putting that video together and looking at the photos, um, I'm really I'm really proud of what we did. It was it was a hard walk with the weather and. Um, it's not for the faint-hearted. It gets rated on the same level as the Overland track down here. Um, whoever's at parks, whoever's rating that at Parks and Wildlife, they're on some sort of serious crack because <laughs> it is not. It is not the same as the Overland track. Yeah. Uh, there's there's minimal infrastructure, minimal toilets, minimal water. There's no platforms to put your tent up on. You you are literally off the grid, completely off the grid. So yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. So a tough one for you. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, how well uh, marked is the sign? Is the track? How si well signposted? It's pretty good. Um, yeah, it, there was one girl on the track who took a bit of a detour. There's a couple of detours for views and little beaches you can go go check out. But um, we found it pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, there was like bits of boardwalk and there's obviously markers and a fairly well defined track going through parts of the forest and there was like all these stair constructions up the mountains and things like that. So it was, it was pretty easy to follow. Um, it, it was just um, it was just the conditions. The conditions just made yeah. it, just added that extra element. So it'd be like playing, you know, it'd be like playing AFL football, you know, mid-winter where it's nice and cool when they get to the grand final day and it's 35 degrees and all of a yeah. sudden everyone's passing out. It was yeah. a bit like that. Yeah, um, so, so more for maybe uh, September, October, sort of March, April. 
you think? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, and keeping that in mind, though, this is the southwest coast of Tassie. It cops the brunt of everything. So yeah, uh, I, th- I think we we just we just got lucky or unlucky, whichever way you want to look at it. We just had a patch of weather that yep. was unheard of. Um, yep. So many people I've spoken to, they said, "Oh, how much rain did you get?" I said, "We got about a half hour of rain on the last day in a storm, and that was it." They're like, "I've walked up the mountains in horizontal snow. I've walked up here. I've done this <laughs> at all times of the year." So, yeah. if if anyone's looking to do the South Coast track, um, try—it's uh, hard to do—but try and pitch, pitch a season that's um, that's probably going to give you some more settled weather, yeah, uh, as opposed to crazy weather. But. Cool. I, I, gar- I guarantee you that the the minute I decide to do it is when all those conditions will will come back yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, like I said, it's a great adventure. Erin uh, and I had a great time, plenty of laughs. Um, yeah. The, the one thing I love about walking as well, especially if you're taking photos, is you sort of get in sync a little bit with the person as well. Like you start seeing things similar, and like we walk past, like, oh, look at that tree, and we both stop and have a shot of that, or. Um, so yeah, you actually you do become a bit more heightened looking for photos. Yeah. Uh, but this trip, this trip was just hard because when we found the photo, we're like, oh, we're stuffed. We can't get the camera out. <laughs> so well, yeah. You, you don't know this yet, but uh, while you've been talking, I've been putting up a few of the photos there, and uh, oh, have you? They, they absolutely you look fantastic. I'm uh, very very impressed. I'm impressed a that you were able to tackle such a big walk, but also that you were able to, by the sounds of it, able to get any photos out of the place at all, given the, mm. given the conditions. So, yeah. Um, yeah, nice yeah like, like I said, like I got home and weighed myself and it was five and a bit kilo I'd lost in eight days. Yeah. Um, so it's a good head start. It's a good way to start, kickstart a diet and lose yeah, a few more kilos, but um, it, it was, it was tough work, but you know, amazing adventure and I'm glad I've ticked it off. It's one thing I've wanted to do for quite a while. Yep. Um, so not a lot of big walks left for you to do in Tasmania, I wouldn't have thought? There's a couple. Okay. Uh, I've, there's one more I've probably got to conquer, which is the Western Arthurs. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Western Arthurs is a 17-kilometer long mountain range that takes you six to eight days to finish. And it's only that it, far? And it's only that far. It is up, down, up, down, up, Sounds down. Sounds pretty down. tough. But yeah, so a lot of people go into Lake Oberon, which is uh, a famous picture made famous by Peter Dombroskis. Which is a, a big mountain, a lake, and the big pandanis in the foreground. It's, it's quite popular. We might even put it up if we get a chance. Um, a lot of people walk in there, which is like a three or four day return one. Uh, I have tried to get up the top of these mountains a couple of times with some other friends, and I've been rained out and, and fogged out. Uh, so that'll be probably the last one I need to do. Everything else I've pretty much ticked off of the known walks. Uh, there's a hell of a lot of other walks off the grid uh, that I don't think I'm capable of doing anymore. Um, but yeah, there's a few more to go. Now, um, a question that I'm sure a lot of eager listeners are keen to know: uh, Did you use your tripod? I did. <laughs> I did. I did. Because I would and, hate uh, to think that you not only suffered all this psychological warfare while you're out uh, of this walk and physical torture, that you carried that friggin' thing and never used it. No, I carried it. Um, I didn't use the prop it up by tent. That's one thing. Um, I think I used it on the photo behind us. Yes. Um, I used it on this beach quite a lot. I used it at a few other camps as well. So yeah, I reckon out of the eight days, I used it probably five or six days. Okay. Erin um, fell in love with the Olympus or the OM, OM system EM1 Mark III and the image stabilizer. Uh, she didn't use a tripod the whole way. Yep. And she got she got shots just like me with a long exposure, held, handheld. She was blown away. Um, it really clicked on this beach when she started doing some really long exposures, the waves crashing over and stuff like that. Um, I think she might have yelled out, holy shit, this is amazing. She didn't have to get the <laughs> tripod out. Uh, so, yeah, we, we did use the tripod, and we, it was a bit of an ongoing joke along the way because um, obviously Erin was here last week when we were, or the week before when we were recording. Yes. Um, that we have to uh, – I'm a big, a big uh, believer in that you have to use everything that you carry, even if it's once. You have to use it, um, and if you're not if you're not going to use it, you need what's to the point of taking the bloody thing? That's right. Yeah. That's right. You carry the whole thing for no reason. Um, and there was the last day, the last night here when we we had to go. We still had three dinner dinner meals, like hydrated meals that we so we use we use dehydrated food, yep. and you, you boil up water and then you cook it a little pack. We still had three packets of this left, and well, we only had one one that, night left. And I they said, can't well, go to waste. that's it. We either got to eat it or we got to put it in the in the the compost toilet and get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And Erin's like, no, I, I can't waste stuff. I hate wasting stuff. She goes, I said, well, you better eat it. She goes, but I'm not hungry. I said, so you're going to carry 110 grams out 
for no reason. And <laughs> she right. did. She car- she carried him out. I think I think she might have tried to eat one, but um, but yeah, we got uh, we used everything we had. Um, all the gear worked out well. Um, yeah, it was good. Uh, yeah, it was it was a good trip. So yeah, you're back. I'll, yeah, I'll sorry, I just for a sec. Had, a, <laughs> had a little blackout, little blackout, blackout. moment. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it sounds it sounds brilliant. And uh, as I keep saying every time we talk about Tassie, I will be down there at some point. So yeah, uh, yeah. that one sounds like a real challenge. Yeah, this one is not, um, and I, I know I'm going to get shit hung on me from locals down here if they do listen. Um, there's a lot of local Tasmanians who walk and shoot, and they they are just incredible people. They're super fit. Uh, they they go anywhere anytime. Um, to me, I'm a big believer in that. You know, you just do what your abilities allow you to do. Don't try and overdo it. Um, but this this is a hard trip for someone who's been walking a long time and done some pretty big hikes. This is up there with the hardest I've done, if not the hardest. Um, so if you are thinking of doing the South Coast track, really do your research. Make sure you've done some overnight hiking and some multi day hiking. Make sure you can be self efficient. And as we learned along the way, you've got to be able to find water as well. If it's really dry. Um, you need to have a little bit of a bush smarts about where to look for water and how to treat it and, and things like that. So you need a little bit of, a little bit of expertise to do this one. How much water were you carrying with you? Like, what capacity did you have for carrying water? So we had a capacity each of three liters. Yep. Um, so I had a two liter bladder and a, and a, a one liter drink bottle, same as Aaron. Um, so, but along the, along the first couple of days, there was quite a few streams. But when we got towards the middle section. Um, we had to carry water from the camp before. Um, and then, you know, we found some little streams and we used some, there's like water treatment tablets you can put in. So we started putting them in. Um, some of the water was brackish, which you can drink still, but it's not, not enjoyable. And not great Um, for you in large quantities, I wouldn't have thought. That's right. So, although, as I said to Aaron, I said, I reckon we could drink straight out of the ocean. I'd sweat it out about five minutes later. It wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, that, that was a bit tricky with the water, but we were carrying, yeah, we we're carrying at least two and a bit litres with us, uh, two litres and a bladder in the back, and yeah. then a water bottle hanging off the front, which had a yeah. litre or so in it. So Yeah, which, uh, which is uh, funny. I, I th- I've got a feeling those tablets that you put in the water, they make it taste a little bit sort of chlorinated. Is that mm-hmm. right? So, have they you ever do. tasted the water in Port Ferry? No, but I'm assuming it tastes a bit like that. It's amazing. Like, it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got down there and we were, um, hello to anyone from Port Ferry. You've got a beautiful yeah. place, but by God, your water's terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, we went into the accommodation and the kids had a drink of water. Like, oh, Dad, this tastes like I'm what's drinking what's the swimming pool. It's and, like I'm in Adelaide. Well, it was... Uh, <laughs> It was really ordinary, but anyway, that's right. just a little aside. Made me think of something when you were... Um, yeah. So, next big adventure for you, next walk? Are you, you know, already planning for that or going uh, to just let this one <laughs> stew for a while first? Well, I'll tell you what. Like, we got home and we Lisa picked us up. Uh, dear wife Lisa picked us up from Cockle Creek, which is an hour and a half from two hours from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, she picked us up on that last Thursday at about 8.30 at night. Um and we got in the car, and then Aaron and I got back to here. And I swear to God, our feet were twice as like, feet are just swollen. Yeah, uh, feet are, feet are swollen, knees are swollen. Um, I'm only getting back to normal probably in the last day or two. From the from the, uh, I've got mozzie bites, I've got uh, March fly bites, I've got grass cuts from the grass weeds. Probably got some sand fly bites. I've got everything all over my legs, which I've been itching for the last few days. So you're just a walking billboard for tourism Tasmania, mate. I know. Tell me about it. Yeah, come down to Tassie, get a bit eaten alive. Um, so not sure, Aaron. Like Aaron, I think maybe you might do the Frenchman's Cap walk, which is a, that, that's like a three or four day return walk. That's yep. fairly straightforward. Um, so that might be one of the next ones we look at doing. Um, I'd love to do the Three Capes walk, which goes down around Port Arthur and. Goes on the three, well, two penny. It's called the Three Capes Walk, but only goes out to two of them. Talk Makes about sense. Tassie and tourism. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'd love to do it with Lisa. So we might try and organise that, that this year sometime as well. But for now, uh, just ramping up for some workshops that are coming up. Uh, Tarkine workshop in about four weeks. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, get into it for the rest of 2022. Fantastic. Um, mm. Yeah, so. I, uh, as I was mentioning, uh, had the little trip down to Port Ferry, and mm. what I um, what I didn't do, oddly enough, was take a heap of photos. Um, time out for a sec. Time out. Time out. Yes. Did you take Did you take the K one thousand? Did I take this? Yeah. Did you take it? <laughs> yes, I did. Hang on. 
There we go. Is there, is there a film in it? Uh, the, well, okay. So this is what I, <laughs> this is what I want to talk about. So oh, yeah. I, cool. I took I took my K one thousand that you gave me. I'm proud and, of it. And I put film in it, and it took me back immediately to the early nineties when I first got into photography. Late eighties. Excuse me, late eighties, early nineties. Um, yeah. When I did got my grow, first, did your hair grow back? <laughs> no, uh, my stomach got smaller. Everything, my, um, and and all those. I don't want to call them frustrations, but they are. I, um, mm. All those frustrations of, of shooting film just flooded back to me, like from thirty yeah. years ago. Um, first of all, the night before, I loaded it with a film. And as I always do, did with film, and I'm sure you do as well, you know the first couple of shots are going to be useless because you've loaded the film, you've dragged yeah, a leader yeah. over, you've winded a couple of yeah. times. So I went out the back and took a couple of photos of our Labrador. Um, yeah. And, of course, you know, through the lens they looked amazing and the light meter look, was working, everything was great. So, great, camera's good to go. So I get the thing down to Port Ferry and I get it out to take my first couple of photos and, of course, I go to wind on and the film is just dragging. I can feel it. It's uh, not winding properly. It's grinding over the sprockets, you know. Do you, do you ever, yeah. Have you ever experienced yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, And I'm like, yeah. oh, good on you. So, all right, so I thought, right, I'll wind the film back. So I yeah. wound it enough so I could just feel that the leader was just there. Opened yeah, the back yeah. up. Sure enough, the leader was just there. Everything was fine dragged it back over and then just went ahead and shot like six photos because I knew that they were all so yeah they're all stuffed or or at yeah. best they're going to be double exposures like going to have my labrador looking through a, a scene at port ferry or something i don't know what's so, going to so go that, so that so that's about 12 bucks gone yeah yeah that's right and then um <laughs> And then uh, throughout, over the five days, it was great. I had it over my shoulder and I took it out, uh, went down to the surf club for breakfast one morning, which is just literally on the beach in that photo just here somewhere, the surf club. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where am I pointing? Over there. Did and you, um, Did you do the a, full hipster smashed avocado with your film camera hanging off your shoulder? Uh, I went one better. I had the film camera sitting on the, on the, um, on the bench next to my latte. And I kid you not... Three different people commented on my film camera, um, all of which were really complimentary. Like, it is so good to see a real camera. Two people used that yes. phrase, a real yeah. camera. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't showing it off. I just literally had it on the counter while I was eating and, and having my coffee. Mm-hmm. And it was great. It was, it, was, it was really interesting to see that reaction from people, not photographers, yeah. um, you know, but... Um, one lady in particular, she was really taken by it. She said, "Oh wow, can I have a look at that?" And it's like, yeah, it's like sure, an old guy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was that. That was really kind of cool. Um, but this thing's got a uh, fifty mil lens on it. It's the only lens I took. Uh, it is a yep. fifty mil f two. Um, yep. So not exactly what you'd call a landscape lens by any stretch of the imagination, but. Um, I found myself really thinking about my photography again um, yeah. because, as you just alluded to, every push of the button is a couple of bucks now. So Yeah, yeah um, you can't just blow it off. <laughs> no, that's right. So uh, yeah. I really enjoyed um, looking for compositions rather than just pushing the button and moving on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, what, I'm, what I'm actually going to do live here on the show is actually remove the roll of film because I haven't actually opened this up yet. So... Hopefully right. I wound it off right. already, and uh, let's. Oh yes, there we are. So there you go. It's we Kodak. Have, we have a roll of Kodak 400. Uh, yep. what, what is this? Gold or something? Whatever they call it. Ultramax. Col- yeah. Kodak Ultramax. Here nice. we go. So that is going to get processed in the next week or so. 24 and or 36. That is a 24 exposure film. Yeah. And I am film. going to. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let you all know about the results. So that could be really interesting. So. Um, yeah. I loved it. Had a great time with the film camera. It sort of uh, re-sparked a bit of enthusiasm, as you can probably yeah. tell. Um, and, 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 and you're you're so spot on, though. Like it just slows you down. Like you've oh. got, you've got to think. The dig, the digital age is all. How much can I fire off in five minutes and hope that I get some good shots? Mm-hmm. Film is how many can I not screw up in five minutes? Yep. 
let's try harder yeah. to get it's, it's it's like it focuses it's like a like a sports person yeah it's like a golfer it's like a golfer you can get up and just put the ball down and swing and hit the ball yeah. and slice it left or right yeah. or you can really think about it sit down think about it get your swing right yeah, it's all patience yeah. and focus and no that's exactly right it. and and i've really found myself looking at settings so um yeah, yeah. you know when when i was looking at you know shallow depth of fields making i'm sure i was shooting it in this case with the f2 that's actually a really cool little lens that 50 mil f2 uh nice yeah. and shallow depth of field so i found myself looking at that sort of stuff and then also you know pushing my apertures out to probably you know f8 f11 you know one two hundred fiftieth of a second that sort of stuff to um yeah. to shoot my landscape stuff but it was so good that um port ferry's got some really cool um just about everywhere you look you can see in the background there are the norfolk island pines um, yes, you can yeah. see they line a lot of the streets and they really make up uh, a lot of the backgrounds in Port Ferry. So a lot of the scenes that mm. I was shooting. Um, so I incorporated that a fair bit into the into my photography when I was down there. Um, yeah, cool. But really enjoyed it. Um, I also took, as you can see, my, my drone um, yeah. and uh, managed to get a lot of cool shots, mostly from literally the backyard of the accommodation we were staying yeah. in. and. Uh, I think I sent you a message and, um, yeah, you know. You sent me a few, the lighthouse ones, I think you sent me a few I of just, them. I just couldn't believe that I was able to shoot. Uh, the lighthouse ones that I shot, I actually did get a little bit closer to the lighthouse to shoot those. But, yeah, you know, you're a kilometre away, you're, you're 17 metres above crashing waves, you're pointing <laughs> at the sunset, and it's like, well, where do you want to put the camera next? It still blows yeah. my mind, the technology uh, in yeah. the drone. So, so talk about, you know, the juxtaposition of this um, yeah, yeah, the K1000 versus the drone. It was it was pretty cool, and I and I think I um I was happy with the with the shots I got for being yeah. a family holiday, and I wasn't really focused, pardon the pun, on taking uh, yeah. photos as much. But geez, Port Ferry, it's a it's like shooting fish in a barrel, mate. It's such a great. So, area. Some, sometimes on those family holidays or or trips where you're not meaning to shoot. I think Mother Nature goes. Ah, this guy can't really do much while he's yes, here. Yes, I'll chuck up. I'll chuck up some awesome sunrise and sunsets. That'll yeah. stuff him. Yeah, it does it all the time. It's um, just like, and it's like we, we had one thing on the track where I woke up one morning stuffed again, and I looked out, and the place was just glowing red. I'm like, you <laughs> yeah, good on you. <laughs> I'm like you bastard. Yeah, I have to get yeah. up and have a look. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we were lucky enough. Um, the accommodation we had, we had a decent sized window that faced due east so yeah. i was able to sort of open one eye and peer peer around the curtains and sort of see what the sunrise was doing uh yeah. and over the five mornings that we were there not one decent sunrise it was always clouded yeah. out um right. it was quite interesting actually we it was it was like a lot of sea mist would come in overnight and we'd get yeah, a lot okay. of foggy misty stuff which in its yeah. own right probably would have made for some interesting photos but I use the excuse of ah, I can't see a lot of color there. I'm going back to sleep. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do. I do that every now and then on workshops. I roll out I'm like oh, yeah, it's not going to happen. No, I'm too snuggy. Sorry, folks. In sleeping bag. S see you at breakfast, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, fair, fair enough yeah. too. But uh, yeah, cool. yeah. So if um, if anyone who's uh, who hasn't been down to Port Ferry, I highly recommend you get down there because you've again you've got because it's on a slight little peninsula as well. You can take sunrises over the water you can take sunsets over the water you don't have to go too far yeah. um and the lighthouse so quick little story about the lighthouse so um i wanted a shot of the griffiths island lighthouse um whether it was from drone or just wherever i just wanted to get there and get these shots um yeah. but it's a bit of a hike to get there you've got you can park at the car park and then walk in or you can ride and luckily uh we took our bikes with us so yeah. uh, on the last night we were there i said bon voyage to the fam i'm going out for some brendan time i'm going to go and shoot this lighthouse if it's the last thing i do so yeah. i rode um in, I put my my thongs on and got on the pushy had my drone strapped over here uh and headed out to griffiths island and rode all the way to the lighthouse and it was about half an hour before sunset got to the lighthouse and I'm sort of walking towards it, and I thought, oh, that's a funny pile of rocks behind the lighthouse. It looks a bit like a... Is that a kangaroo? And I got close, and it, was, it turned out to be a wallaby. Um, yeah. Right behind the lighthouse. It was just the last place I would have expected to see a wallaby you on the a, rocks. You have a lot of luck with popping animals with, in your photos, it's, don't you? It's, it's, I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, it's my spirit animal, Cameron. 
maybe that's maybe deep. it is. Uh, uh, um, we we had a little bit of an experience on the track with uh, spotted quolls. Uh, spotted quolls were there. There was one. Uh, so Erin, Erin's background. She's a vet nurse by trade. Brendan um, Google spotted quoll and throws a photo up. <laughs> bang! There you go. Um, Hang on. Close, did you get close, a photo of a spotted quoll? I did. Well, do you want me to put up? Well, Erin did. I both. We both did. Well, I want to see we'll your photo. Up. Okay, done. Yeah, there right. So there, there's there your spotted quoll. There it is. So we got to this campsite, and Erin's uh, background is a, she's a vet nurse by by trade or by qualification but she also manages a vet veterinary clinic down on the Mornington Peninsula so we get to this campsite we put our tent up a few other people come in and they set their tents up and all of a sudden we see oh look there oh it's a sick quoll he must be he must be dying so we all walked up there and um <laughs> this story goes into another region which I might not go to but we walked up to this uh this area where this quoll was and we walk around the corner and it looks like a cat really about the size of a cat yeah. brown with white spots on them uh, got a head like a bit of a devil, Tassie devil slash thylacine type of thing. And it's just lying there with both legs out, sprawled out, just in the sun, eyes shut. And I'm like, everyone's like, oh, it must be really sick. I'm like, maybe it's just sunbaking. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it opens its eyes and looks at us and just goes, no, oh, goes back to sleep. <laughs> and uh, then some, some guy goes, is anyone a vet here? And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> here we are. And uh, it, it got me. It got me on. I got Aaron onto the Seinfeld episode of Marine Biologist. I don't is, know if everyone's seen it. Anyone here if a marine biologist? Yeah. If no one's seen the episode of Seinfeld, the Marine Biologist, go and watch it. It's on Netflix. One of the funniest episodes of comedy you'll ever see. Anyway, so Aaron's like, oh well, you know, blah blah blah. This I'm, I, I do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And she looked and she goes, oh, I reckon it's sunbaking as well. Everyone's like, oh, that's dead for sure. It's dying. Next minute goes, oh shit humans gets up and just scampers into the bush off it goes so everyone's talking about oh this little thing oh maybe it's okay maybe it's not okay so we're all sort of having this little meeting away from our campsite we walk back to our campsite who's in the campsite raid raiding this guy's bag of food the spotted quality he set a decoy he set his own decoy up there to get her on there walked in walked out of the thing and then walked into this guy started eating muesli bars and then um, absolute genius genius and then he was hanging around the camp the whole way Aaron got some really great shots of him doing like a big yawn and all his teeth and and then the next campsite we had another one that was hanging around while we had breakfast it was just sitting around in front of us so um but yeah really really cool uh it is great when you come across animals in in the wild but the, the shot that you got of the lighthouse of the of the wallaby yeah um, it's almost it's almost photobombing well this this wallaby was uh, as i say it was behind the lighthouse when i got there and i'm thinking well i'll try and get a shot because what two cameras have I got on me? I've got my drone and I've got my iPhone and that is it because I went out on the bike and didn't... Yeah. I only had this drone photo of the lighthouse in mind so I didn't think I'd get an opportunity and uh, so let that be a lesson, kids. Take uh, take all your gear with you because I actually would have got a banging photo of this wallaby right behind the lighthouse. But, you, but you've got your iPhone. Well, hey, but I did manage to. He sort of scampered by me and then I sort of flanked him because I wanted to get the lighthouse behind him. Oh, yeah. And I'm, him up. I'm crawling through the bushes. Um, and my very stealthy and quiet iPhone managed to get that photo that I just put up on the screen there. So. Right. <laughs> Un- unless, unless the phone rang and the <laughs> Head on silent, man. Vibrate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, with, so that, um, that was pretty funny. That was pretty. That was pretty cool. I saw that shot, and the red and white lighthouse just really contrasts really well. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. So uh, it's really it was good. Shot. Yeah, that no, was good. Good um, fun. So when you do your drone shots, yes. um, for people at home, it might have drones. I I do a little bit of drone stuff, but I always seem to struggle with how I want the shots to look, what settings I'm going to use. Do you set yourself an aperture and just leave it? I know with my D, I got the Mavic Two Pro. Yep, same as me. Where you, you can you can you can dial in the aperture and the ISO and things like that. Do you dial in an aperture and let it do its thing and or and leave it on auto ISO or do you dial? Yeah, do you so, sort of dial full manual? Or do you do no? I I, I do it. Pardon the pun on the fly, depending on what. <laughs> sorry, yeah, depending on what <laughs> what shots I'm after. <laughs> So to give you an example, um, the lighthouse, uh, you know, the sun was setting. So um, uh, basically the last shot I took was as the sun hit the water. And hit the water, hit the horizon. <laughs> I don't know. Did you duck down and yeah. duck back up just to make I, sure? It- I so wanted to do it with the drone, but I sort of was too busy taking these photos. Um, <laughs> it, did come, it did cross my mind. 
I'm, episode, still, I'm, still calling, I'm still calling bullshit on that. Episode 27, folks. Go check it out. Um, <laughs> now, um, now, so you've made me lose my train of thought. Oh, that's right. So generally speaking, when I fly the drone, I'm that invested in making the compositions, but also making sure I don't crash the thing or I don't lose sight of it or you know, I don't yeah. put it in any, any peril. Because you know, when I shot uh, the other night, uh, which would have been Sunday night in Port Ferry, it was blowing a gale, um, so much so that I got the, the weather app up on my phone just to check what the gusts were doing and then Googled how much wind the Mavic 2 Pro can actually handle. So to handle, yeah. It's um, like 90 k's and it's like a fair bit. Like I wish. No, it's 45, they say. 45 k yeah. an hour is about its max. And we had wind gusts of 40, it was saying on the app. So I was like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I had to get the shot. So I, I risked my $3,000 yeah. piece of equipment and sent it out there. Yeah. But um, as the sun got lower and things got darker, then I started playing around a little bit with manual settings. Um, So I shot, uh, for example, an image at 1 25th of a second. Now, I don't use ND filters on my drone. Um, It's something I wouldn't mind getting into, but um, they are so stable. They have this... um, well, it's called basically an airborne tripod mode. When you put it in tripod yeah. mode, it locks its position and it locks it really, like, incredibly well. I realize yeah. that you're shooting quite a wide angle as well, so it's not really going to give much movement away. Yeah. But as I say, in winds of 30K plus up to 40K an hour, yeah. it still managed to do a 125th of a second um, shutter, and I was able to dial up like F11. I think I was playing around with. But always yeah, um, okay. making – I don't use auto ISO. I fell for that trap very early with the DJI. Um, yeah. It always ge- gives you a stupid high ISO. Um, so much so, brainy, brainy yeah. So much so that it renders the photos pretty much unusable. So I'm, I'm, f- yeah, I'm yeah. always making sure I'm down at like a hundred ISO, um, yep. and then just, just like I would be walking around with a camera shooting. Um, you know, it's just yeah. I've got the, the thing in the air and I've got all the controls right in front of me. So um, yeah. I love that. Particularly, exam- yeah. You go. I was going to say, for example, the shot you got behind you. Yes. Do you because you can touch the screen where to focus, and the yes. focus is also where it meters from, I believe. Uh, you can do that. Correct? Yes, yes, you can yeah. do that. So, so do you do you focus on the foreground to make it brighten up a bit, or would you? Yeah. So a shot like that, um, I actually focused on that beam of light that's on the water in the foreground oh, yeah. um, yep. because I didn't want that to be blown out. So, and yep. then I actually ended up having to lighten the photos, uh, particularly the foreground. I just used Snapseed actually on this one because I did it on the on the phone um i did my editing on the phone just lifted the shadows a bit and cleaned up the foreground a bit because of course the sun was being was so bright and blown out but i really like the light rays that it gave me yeah Um, it looks cool yeah it it almost looks like almost looks like a lighthouse beam going across the water yeah yeah that worked really well and 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 you know the sunset on sunday night with the lighthouse itself the lighthouse was throwing a shadow in front of me as well and and i just love being able to position the drone so for example if i wanted to silhouette the lighthouse and put the sun right behind it or i want to go up and get a bit more depth and uh, it was it was was a load of fun is it it's one thing i love about the drones as well like a lot of people go oh drones you can just go up so high i reckon the majority of shots i've taken on my drone are just like twice as high as me you know like five foot or something yeah yeah, that's um, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's you only got him like, you know, nice. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll hang shit on myself. Doesn't yeah. matter. Um, you know, it's only sort of you know, maybe you know, ten, twenty feet above where you are. Like yeah. sometimes just that little bit of extra height yeah. gives you a different perspective that you just don't get. Like yeah, anyone that, can yeah. shoot up high and down, um, but sometimes, like you said, just getting a little bit higher. Um, but not crazy high, can really create some nice shots. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like everyone, when I first got my, my first uh, Phantom 4 drone a few years ago, the first thing I did was take it to its the highest legal limit, which was 120 metres. It's what you what's do. The highest you, what, what's the highest you've ever taken? 120 metres. Really? 120 metres. So, um, but I'm with okay. you insofar as <laughs> I, I like taking the thing out uh, offshore and, you know, that bit of risk is quite bit of an adrenaline buzz but literally flying it you know a couple of meters above some waves and yes and as i say that with a drone being able to put a camera exactly where you want to put it that's that's what i really enjoy about it um yeah i had a lot of of fun particularly on this trip they they are very very flexible tools that's for sure no no they're awesome so um i'll probably end up getting another one at some point but the one i've got does the job um and a letter from casa yeah exactly I've had a lot of Why am I not surprised? Uh, <laughs> Dear Cam, the Dear Cam Ooh, segment back. is back uh, for episode 28. 
we yeah. have Steph from Newcastle in New South Wales who dropped us a line. G'day, Steph. Hello. G'day, Steph. Um, that's, that's Newcastle, cool. New South Wales, Australia, as opposed to Newcastle, UK. Even though we do have people in the UK. G'day. Good morning. Good afternoon. Hello to everyone. And who's... good night. Hello to anyone who is listening and watching internationally. We want to hear from you. We want to... Um, yeah. Put something in the comments. Tell us where you're from. Exactly. Mm. That's, that'll make mm. it exciting for us. Self-indulgent. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll dear Cam. Dear Cam, I have been getting into... Uh, let me start that again. I have been getting into a lot of shooting lately, but I am battling with the process of sorting my photos after an outing. Is there an yeah. easy way to do this? Steph from Newcastle asked you. And having just been on an eight-day hike, <laughs> you probably might have a bit of advice for Steph. Over to you, Cam. The easiest advice is stop going out. <laughs> done. <laughs> no, done. No. Next week. No. Um, yeah, that is something that a lot of people do sort of struggle with. Um, when, when I teach editing on workshops, I, I try to avoid the importation side of things and creating collections and catalogs and stuff like that because I don't think I've ever met two people that do it the same. Um, so what I try and do, uh, especially like Steph saying with an outing, I, I try and just create collections on my, I use Lightroom, Adobe Lightroom. And I try and create um, collections. So, for example, South Coast Track, that'll be just a collection and I'll import all the photos into that collection and then I'll go through and quick collect and sort of sort through which ones I want to edit. Um, but I try and keep every outing I do as a separate collection. So instead of just saying, like I know some people go January 2020, they'll put all the photos from January and February. I find that a bit tricky. Um, I've also started using, the last couple of years, I... I start using keywords a lot more religiously than I used to. So when you're importing your shots into Lightroom, for example, you can put in a keyword. So I can put in South Coast Track, Beach, Sunset, Tasmania, you know, whatever camera I use, whatever it might be. So it helps sort things out later on. But to me, I find it's easier to organize if you import each outing as a separate collection and then work through that collection as, as you go through. So. Uh, otherwise, I think you just end up with too many photos. They're all over the shop. You're trying to rely on memory of where you were, what date it was, you know, what you're doing. So for me, um, the easiest way is when you're importing, import directly and create a collection. So on my Lightroom, I've got Tasmania as a sub collection, and then I've got all the different locations in Tassie that I've been to as a different collection. Uh, weddings, I have a subheading for weddings and all the different people I do weddings for. And any commission or commercial work, I've commissioned work, I have a separate folder for them as well. So I try and organize it almost like you organize your Word documents, you know, certain things and stuff like that. So I don't think there's an easy way to do it, but that to me is the more straightforward way that I my brain gets around it. Uh, you might you might do it differently, Brendan. I'm not too sure. Um, no, generally speaking, uh, with my stuff. So for example, this trip, uh, I'm one of these morons that does call it 2022 January <laughs> um, there you, there you but then obviously within that I'll have Port Ferry so um, yeah and w look at its habit forming and and it's not an easy habit to keep in and what I generally do yeah. will I'll bring up the photos on a big screen so I can um, yeah. you know so I can pixel peep and I can make sure things where things are sharp where I want them to be sharp and things like that and generally what I'll do, I'll know within a few seconds of looking at image, at an image if I want to edit it and use it yeah. and keep it and that sort of stuff. And I will create within that folder a folder called Keepers. Um, right. So all of my folders all through my PC have a thing, have a folder inside called Keepers. And then they yeah. become, um, you know, normally, so out of the trip to Port Ferry, I'll probably come back with, say, 15 to 20 images that I'd, I'd like to classifiers keepers yep. uh, i know when yep. i did mungo last year it was about the same 2025 20, images over a few days so um yeah. and then i concentrate on editing those to the best of my ability um and they will stay in that folder and i know that that's where i'm going to find the best stuff what i generally yep. do also though is two to three months later i will go back into the non-keepers folder and have another look yes yeah, um, yeah. the yeah. amount of times i've done that and dug up a few nuggets that I've overlooked yep. mainly because it's so fresh in your mind's eye that it's like, oh, no, I remember that shot. That's the one. That's the one I remember. It looks so good on the back of the camera or when I was yep. composing the shot. You go ahead, you do all the editing, you clean up. It looks fantastic. That's great. But then you overlook a couple of the shots um, yep. that probably worked just as well, if not better. And I know yep. from experience that, I mean, I've been back into folders two, three, four years later 
and gone, mm, yeah. that's right, they've got that photo sitting there and I never touched it. And I think also as you evolve as a photographer, your editing evolves and your, what you're looking for evolve, evolves as well. So yeah. I've done the same thing. I've gone back through folders from yeah four or five years ago. I'm like, hey, that, that's not a bad canvas to play with. Yeah. You know? Um, one other thing that Steph is, you know, this is almost sort of counteractive to what we're talking about. You know, you don't necessarily have to sort photos at all, really, in Lightroom, because you can you can sort via the the finding uh, tools in in Lightroom. You can sort down to the minute detail of what every photo is. Um, that does rely a bit on having keywords. But for example, if you're like, well, I just want to see what you know, the Olympus camera on the 12 to 40 lens, anything I shot at 2.8. You can dial that down and get every photo you've shot at that aperture. Um, each year, I like to go through as a bit of an end of year thing. I go through and sort, you know, my January to December shots, and I sort through uh, the cameras and then what apertures I've shot the most at. And it's quite interesting because I, I, I traditionally shoot a lot at wide open and a lot at f16, and a little bit in the middle, and my focal length is usually about 21 mil or or 200 mil there's not much in between so you can actually learn a bit from your own sorting about what you're shooting and how you're shooting as well so um but yeah there, there's different ways you can bring it in i think you know finding a way that works for you like i do one way brendan does it another way finding a way that works for you that you know makes sense in your brain um is the best way to do it. i think if you try and copy other options uh and that's the other thing with lightroom and things like that you know you end up with other catalogs you can People, I, I had one customer who had a new Lightroom catalog for every trip, and he had like he had he had dozens of hard drives. I'm like, what are you doing? Too much He's time like, well, every time I every time I go somewhere, I create a new Lightroom catalog and just plug that in when I need it. I'm like, I can see I can see the logic behind that, but that's it's really quite uh, you know counterproductive to what Lightroom is all about. Mm. So so yeah, hopefully that helps Steph a bit. Yeah, um, and I think, um, like I touched on, it's habit forming and getting in the yeah. habit of doing. It. If you're part and parcel of being a photographer or being a, even a, a, you know, a, a serious amateur landscape photographer, is getting in these habits of, um, you know, when you're editing your work or when you're saving your work. Well, saving it for a start. Um, the amount yes. of customers Don't. I've had come in with a memory card. Yeah, they're on yes. here. <laughs> Do not delete off your memory card. No. So many people in workshops and even out in the field when you see people, they take a photo and go, ah, delete. I'm like, don't delete it because you're going to delete something you don't want to delete. Exactly. And you might delete something exactly what you said before, Brendan. You might delete an absolute cracker, a real keeper that you haven't realized is a keeper until four years later. Yeah, exactly. Don't delete Don't delete off your memory cards are so cheap and they've yeah. got so much storage. Yeah. Just leave the photos on there and leave them on your hard drive. If you start running out of room on your hard drive, then maybe go on cull, but don't delete in the field for the love of God. I'm not even sure why digital cameras have a delete button on them. No. What's, what's the point? No, I'm, no. I'm with There's you. We're, we're in heated agreement for once. I like it. <laughs> if you have a dear cam question, by all means, drop it to us uh, on our socials, on our Facebook page, send us an email, put up some smoke signals, ESP it to us, whatever you want to do. Um, Thank you, Cam. You answered that very, very well. We also want to hear from you about your photographic horror stories. So if you have one, please send that through. We hopefully will at some point revive that little segment. Um, yeah. January has come to an end, Cameron. I don't know whether you noticed, but it is now, as we speak, Richie Benno Day. It is. Two for 22. It is the 2nd oh. of the 2nd, 2022. International viewers yeah. have got no idea what the hell we're talking about, but that's Ooh, totally fine. No, I, I I reckon the, the, the UK people in London, they, they'll they, know exactly they what we're know talking who about. Richie Benno is. Um, if, there's any Amer- if there's any Americans, we apologise. Yeah, We've got no idea what we're talking they about. They just tuned out. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was great. Not a, Another effing sunrise was great. We got a lot of cool photos yeah. sent in. Um, really enjoyed Thank looking you for that. at your photos. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which means we need a February challenge. And Cam, you yes. have come up with a doozy. I've tried to come up with, well, you said the last episode on this trip, I had eight days to think of the entire year worth of challenges. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't come up with the whole year, I came up with this month. Um, and the reason I came, I came up with this month, I, I took my, my little Leica camera on this trip, which only has fixed focus lenses. And I found that during the most of the day when I was walking, I was shooting at 35 mil. I thought, I don't really want to be changing lenses with blowing sand around and dirt and grime. 35 mils wide, but also pretty standard, you know, it works. So what I found I was doing is I was shooting at one length the whole day. So February's challenge I thought would be a good one is that you have to choose one lens, one focal length, 
for the entire February. So if you, you know, people might only go out on the weekends to shoot. They might only go out once a month to shoot. They might shoot every day. I don't know. But my challenge to you, the February challenge is that you have to use one focal length for the entire month of February. So it can be 21 mil, it can be 24, 28, 35, 50, 75, 100, 200, whatever you want to do, 300, I don't care. But you've got to use one focal length and we want you to share your shots on the social media channels and tell us what focal length you've chosen, maybe tell us why you like that focal length. And then the challenge is over to you to create some magic for the month of February. Yeah, so we want to see at least two photos that are different to each other but that are shot at yep. the same focal length so uh, right. more if possible using the hashtag shoot one length so that's hashtag shoot one length put on your social yep. media and we'll pick it up on that hashtag yeah yeah good luck uh, and i think there there is a bit of method to my madness here because sometimes shooting at one length and like brendan said earlier in the episode about his 50 mil the nifty 50 with his pentax uh, i shot the 35 mil on my camera for the trip um, shooting one focal length, you know, and I mean, uh, uh, putting the pun there purposely, it does focus you on what you're looking at. You, you got to look at something in a different way. So, uh, it's a good challenge. And sometimes, you know, you might get stuck in a situation where, you know, you forget all your other lenses and you've only got the one lens and you've got to go do an important shoot or go on a family holiday with a, with a hundred mil. You got to make it interesting. Well, this is a good challenge to find out yeah. if you can do it. Yeah. And, and don't forget about the best zoom of all. And that is your legs. Um, it's, it's amazing do you, do you how many people do you forget. remember do you remember I think it might have been our good old mate Glenn camera house once I remember he was selling a camera and he was trying to explain the difference between 24 mil and 200 mil mm -hmm. and the customer was standing there and, and our friend Glenn's a bit of a character you know Glenn if you're watching and he said to the lady he goes what, what's the difference between 24 mil and so he said 24 mil he went walked all the way back at the end of the shop he goes I'm 24 mil and then he came up all the way into her face and goes, I'm 200 mil. And the lady just was, oh, okay. And she had no idea what he was talking about. Um, but he did. He used his, he used his legs That's as a right. zoom. And I remember, watch, remember watching him going, you're off your dial, mate. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's love, uncanny. Love, how you, many, love you, Cliff. It's uncanny how many people forget that you can actually, you can sometimes yeah. walk closer to your subject. Sometimes yeah, you sure. can't. Granted, you might be on the edge of a... Yeah river or you just can't but if you're wearing if you're wearing a red jacket and you know got a head torch on looking at the stars feel free to walk a little bit closer to that area. that's right exactly get out there <laughs> <laughs> um now cameron you're back in uh the land of the living um anything coming up exciting this week with uh cam Blake photography uh not overly there is an overland track trip going out that i'm not on but there's a trip going out which i am organizing um, but apart from that, I've got to do a little bit of editing for that Cradle Mountain shoot I did before I went away. I may have to go back up there again. Uh, but up until uh, kids are back at school tomorrow, um, that's about all I'm focusing on at the moment. And then I've got the Tarkine workshop, uh, which is on the start of next month, which may have a couple of spots still left. I've unfortunately got a couple of people from WA who aren't allowed out to play. Okay. Um, uh, so if you are keen, uh, they may be gone, they may be not by the time this comes out, but there might be a couple of spots, uh, March 5 to 11, uh, Tarkine, uh, have a look on the website, it's all there. But yep. uh, Link will February's... be below for that sort of stuff. Yeah, and how about you? You're back to work, I gather. Yes, we're back in full swing, same story here in Victoria, kids went back to school this week, so it's actually yep. kind of nice to get a bit of routine back. Um, yeah. I uh, had a staff member resign during the week um, amicably, oh, which was fine. No, no, okay. he was wanted to move on to greener pastures. So, so they all cool. think the same thing, Cam. They know they all come <laughs> back, back eventually. Um, <laughs> now he decided to to move on. So uh, left me with a bit of a, a shortage of staff. However, uh, it does mean that I now get to head over to Torquay a couple of times a week and man that shop at least through cool. February. Uh, then we're going to be advertising for some staff. So um, I was going to say, there's, there's a job spot. There will be. It will be coming up. Um, just sort of trying to work out exactly what that looks like at this stage. And it's probably a bit of a godsend, to be honest. Um, things start to get a little bit quiet around this time of the year. So, you know, mm. we can we can uh, do with a man down or a person down for the time being. But um, maybe, yeah. I, maybe I could be the, the talkie store manager. I'll sure. No worries. We'll set up a Zoom little setup just like this and you can just help people. Yeah. A little bit of an honesty box maybe sitting there. Like that uh, Back to the Future episode where the guy goes in and walk, orders the Pepsi on the screen. Yes. He just walk in, there's, there's Cam. Absolutely. That'll be exactly right. Speaking of honesty boxes, really quick story. We we're coming back from Port Ferry. <laughs> we we're between Port Ferry and Warrnambool. There's a place there called Coroit, which is Tower Hill, that sort of area. Incredibly yep. fertile soil. 
because Tower right. Hill is an extinct volcano, um, mm-hmm. and they grow the most amazing produce. I loved it. We're driving along the side of the road. Hey, let's get some produce. We stopped. You get out, and there is literally an honesty box there. You lift the lid up and put your cash in there, and this thing is loaded with cash. <laughs> when you got got our potatoes, our carrots, our, all kinds of stuff. We bought garlic and you name yeah. it. And way off in the paddocks, the old farmer giving us a wave. Thank you. Yep. Oh, man, it was so good. So there's another so little, that, little plug for Port that's Ferry. The, that's, that's, that's the good old days, isn't it? Oh, we loved it, mate. Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. So uh, get down now, there and do yourselves now, a favour. Now, I doubt she listens or watches our show, but I want to shout out to my very, very good friend, Stacey Woods, Stacey Dwyer, who lives down at Port Ferry, amazing photographer, does weddings and other bits and pieces. G'day, Stacey, if you're watching. I doubt you are. But hey. G'day. Yep, and I'd like to give a shout out. This is it. We're wrapping it up now, folks. Jason, I'm sorry <laughs> I didn't catch up with you in Port Ferry, but uh, as I said, it was more of a family sort of get together. So, um, sorry, we just lost a listener. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, Hopefully Jason. Not. Please don't hate me, but uh, it was just one of those things. I sort of ran out of time while we were down there. Uh, that's it, folks. That's been episode 28. Unless Cam's got anything else to add. No, I'm done. I'm spent. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for sharing us around with uh, all your friends and family and all that sort of Thank stuff. You. We will yeah. see you uh, for episode 29 of the Down South Photo Show next week. See you, folks. Happy days.